Thank you for listening to City Awakening Podcast. City Awakening is a gospel-centered church located in East Orlando that plants new churches, striving to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. For more information about City Awakening, follow us on social media or visit www.cityawakening.org. Well, good morning. My name is Lewis. I'm lead pastor here at City Awakening. Welcome to those of you who are here on site and to those of you watching online. We're glad that you're joining us together online. At this time, we are going to um, go ahead and dismiss our children to Children's Church. If you didn't get a chance to check your child in, please see our children's ministry leaders in the back, and they would be more than happy to assist you with that. Today, we are continuing our teaching series that we've been doing called The Story, where we are going through the biblical narrative from the very beginning in Genesis 1 to the last amen in Revelation 22. And today's text brings us to a story. We're going to study a time in history where Jesus delays in helping somebody. Jesus delays in helping a father whose little girl is dying. It's an interesting story because what we know about Jesus is that he was very compassionate. Yet here he is delaying in helping this father. Why? Why does he delay to help this father? If Jesus is so compassionate, then why does he delay in helping a little girl who's dying? See, here's what I know is true about me, and here's what I know is true about you. Here's what I know is true about everybody, whether you're a skeptic or you're a believer, is that we don't like delays, do we? We don't, we don't like delays. We don't like delays even when it comes to just everyday life, right? We, you know, we don't like the delay of having to sit in a traffic light. You like traffic lights? You like, I like them for safety, but I don't like have to be, having to be the one stopping at a traffic light, right? We don't like the delay of a traffic light. We don't like the delay of something loading on our 5G phone. Sometimes i got to remind myself if something takes longer than 10 seconds, you remember dial up? Bing, boom, 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 right? And it's like tomorrow I finally get to check my email. (laughs) I clicked on it today, but it's not going to be until tomorrow until I check my email. I guess so, I don't like the delay of like 10 seconds with 5G. We don't like the delay of Amazon delivering our package on the third day instead of two-day shipping, right? We get upset with Amazon because it should have been two days, but now it's coming in three days. We don't like the delay of having to wait on hold for a customer service agent, right? Or having the delay of waiting on hold because you're talking to, you know, some virtual reality, some virtual assistant trying to wait for an actual live person. I don't like the virtual assistant. You know, virtual assistant picks up, you know, you're like calling in for a customer service agent, right? Virtual, hi, I'm your virtual assistant today. I'm happy to help you. No, you're not. You're not happy. You don't have emotions. You're a virtual assistant. You're not happy to help me. But that's what it is, right? Hi, I'm your virtual assistant. I'm happy to help you. What's your name? Louis Tamboro. Did you say Louis Tamborino? No, I said Louis Tamboro. Did you say Louis Tamborino? No, man, I'm not Taco Bell. I'm not a Chalupa. I got one of those tough names. It's not like a Smith, right? Where it get, I, they don't ever get it. My wife will tell you, she gets, she, you know, she's like, Louis, just follow the prompts. I'm like, no, I'm not. I want a live person. Operator, op, zero, zero, zero. Agent, agent, agent. And then they get smart now and they hang up on you. I get insulted, I'm getting hung up on by a virtual assistant, right? I don't like the delay. And the truth is, there's a lot of things in life that we don't like to have to wait for, that we don't like delays in. 
But we especially don't like it when God delays. We don't like it when God delays something in our lives. If you're a skeptic, perhaps you became a skeptic because you weren't happy with God's delay. You're not happy that God is delaying and restoring the world from sin, suffering, and death. And because God seems to be delaying in that, you, you have come to a place where, where you either think that God doesn't care or he doesn't even exist at all. It's because you don't like God's delay. If you're a believer, you don't always like God's delay either, and you wrestle with God's delay sometimes. You know, some of you here today, you maybe you, you know, you're a believer, but you're wrestling with God's delay. Maybe you've been praying for, for something, and, and you've been asking, so we're crying out to the Lord for help in something, and... And you feel like there's been a delay. That can be very frustrating to deal with. That can be very hard and even disappointing to deal with whenever I mean, it happens to me all the time. You know, I'll be praying for certain things and it's like, man, God, what are you doing? And I'm frustrated with the Lord and the delay. Well, today we are going to study a time in history when Jesus delays. He delays in helping a little girl who is dying. And what we're going to look at as we study today's text is we're really going to ask ourselves, does Jesus have good reason for delaying to help this little girl? Right? Does he have a good reason for delaying to help this little girl? Does Jesus have a good reason when he's delaying something in your life? Does Jesus have good reasons for his delays? Okay, this is what we're going to take a look at today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to Mark chapter 5. If you are new to your Bible, just open your Bible to the middle. Keep turning to the right, and you'll find the Gospel of Mark there. Uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 42 today. And the title of today's message, for those of you taking notes, is The Compassion and Timing of Jesus. All right, this is the big idea of the message. The big idea is to trust in the compassionate heart of Jesus, even in the delayed timing of Jesus. I trust in the compassionate heart of Jesus, even in the delayed timing of Jesus. All right, here's your context. In Mark's, Mark chapter 4 and 5, Jesus is performing several miracles to help build the faith of his disciples, his followers. Well, um, Jesus does things like calm the storm like we studied last week, but he also like, heals a guy who's, who's been uh, possessed by a demon. And what Jesus is doing in some of these miracles, he's proven that he has power and authority of both the, uh, over both the, the natural and the supernatural. Well, in today's text, Jesus is going to perform two more miracles, and as we study these two miracles, we're going to learn three things about Jesus, okay? We're going to learn, number one, about the compassion of Jesus, number two, the delayed timing of Jesus, and then number three, the delayed lessons of Jesus, All right, So we're going to learn about the compassion, the delayed timing, and the delayed lessons that come from the delayed timing of Jesus. And so let's check it out. Let's take a look at what happens when Jesus delays. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 42 says this. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little girl is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. Notice that Jairus doesn't say that my little girl might die. He says my little girl is dying. And you can sense the desperation in his voice because he's begging Jesus to heal his little girl. 
You know, in Luke's gospel, if you study Luke's gospel of this story, Luke tells us a little bit more detail. He tells us that this is Jairus' only little girl, and he tells us that this little girl's 12 years old. And Luke, being a medical doctor, he actually confirms the medical diagnosis that this, this little girl's illness is fatal and she's going to die. This little girl means the world to Jairus. And this is why he's, he's in such desperation. The text tells he's falling to the feet of Jesus and he is begging that Jesus would come and heal his little girl, which is something a man didn't do in that culture back then because it, men would have considered that to be shameful. It was shameful for a male to, be, to beg at another male's feet, especially somebody of his status. Remember, he is a synagogue leader. Right? And so he has status in the community. And so somebody like that would not have begged at the feet of another, man, at another man's feet like that. Unless, of course, they're desperate. And so this goes to show us just how much he loves his little girl and how desperate he really is because he is pleading at the feet of Jesus. But it also shows us that none of the doctors in the area were able to help this little girl. Because see, being a synagogue leader meant that he was well-respected in the community, so he would have had access to the greatest health care in the area. But none of them were able to, to heal his little girl. And so he is pleading at the feet of Jesus, begging, the text says, for Jesus to heal his little girl. This little 12-year-old girl is going to die unless Jesus does something about it. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Okay, this is where we see the for, first point happening, which is the compassion of Jesus. What we're seeing here is the compassion of Jesus. There's a large crowd that's gathering around Jesus, and, and so Jesus stops in the crowd, and in order to have the, he has enough compassion to listen to Jairus' plea and his concern. And instead of going around to the other crowd, he stops and he pauses in the middle of the crowd and listens to that. But not only that, he has enough compassion to say that, hey, Yarsa, I'm willing to go with you. I'm willing to come and to heal your daughter. Now put yourself in Yairus' shoes in this moment. Imagine the, his heart all of a sudden being filled with all kinds of hope. I mean, he goes from, my daughter is going to die. From hearing the dreaded words that none of us want to hear from a doctor saying, Hey, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do for her. And she's going to die. He goes from, from having no hope to now the compassion of Jesus filling him with all kinds of hope to Jesus saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to go with you. And that re restores his hope again. Verse 25, Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Okay, so now we're talking about a woman who has been suffering from a blood disorder for, uh, for 12 years. Uh, Dr. Luke's gospel tells us that it was um, an, an incurable blood disorder. And it says that she spent all her wealth that she had on many doctors, but again, those doctors weren't able to cure her. They weren't able to help her. And so this is something she's been suffering with for now 12 years, which means this goes beyond just a, a physical suffering. This is an emotional suffering for her too. It's a deep emotional suffering that, that she is dealing with. See, in that culture, um, people with a blood disorder, they would have been treated like an outcast, which is why, if you notice, we don't know her name. We're told Yairus' name, but we don't know her name. 
We don't know her name because she is considered to be an outcast who has been rejected and untouched by anybody in society in 12 years because she would have been considered unclean. This means she hasn't been touched, hugged, kissed, felt the warm touch of somebody laying hands on her to pray for her. She hasn't felt the warmth of human embrace for over 12 years. She is not just suffering physically. This woman's suffering emotionally too. Verse 27, having heard about Jesus, she came upon him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus asked, who touched, he stops the entire entourage and asks, who touched my clothes? Which is interesting to me because Jesus already knows who touched his clothes. I mean, if we believe that he's really God incarnate, fully human and fully divine like the Bible teaches, then Jesus already knows who touched his clothes. Listen, you can't, you can't play hide and seek with Jesus, okay? He, he wins every time. He knows exactly where you're hiding. So why does he do this? Why does, if he is God incarnate, fully human, fully divine like the Bible teaches, then why is he sitting in the crowd and asking, who touched my clothes, if he already knows? The reason he asks that question is because he is giving her an opportunity to go public with her faith. He is giving her an opportunity to have something far greater. It's an invitation for her to have something far greater than physical healing. It's an invitation for her to have an internal relationship, personal relationship with him. See, Jesus doesn't want a drive-through relationship with her. He wants a dine-in relationship with her. He doesn't want a drive-through relationship with you. He wants a dine-in relationship with you. What's the difference? Well, when you're going through a drive-through, a drive what do you do? You get in and you get out, right? That's what you're doing when you go through a drive It's why it's called fast food. I want to get in and I want to get out as quick as possible. But when you're dining in somewhere, you're saying, hey, I'm going to sit a while. I plan to be here for a while. And this is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with me, he wants to have with you, he wants to have with this woman. It's the kind of relationship where we say, hey, Jesus, you know, I'm going I'm to be here for a while. I want, I want to be here with you. I want to I sit with you here for a while. I want to be here with you today on Sunday morning. I want to be here with you tomorrow. I want to I be with you come Tuesday. I don't want to get in and get out kind of relationship with you. See, what Jesus is basically saying to this woman and saying to us is he's saying, listen, don't, don't come to me, have your needs met, and then run off and live your life without me. It's like, I don't want that. Don't come to me, have your needs met, and then go run off and live your life without me. I, I don't want to be a part of some of your life. I want to be a part of all of your life. See, this lady, this woman in the text, she wants Jesus to transform some of her life, but Jesus wants to transform all of her life. She wants Jesus to transform her health, but Jesus wants to transform her life. She wants to touch Jesus' clothes, but Jesus wants to touch her soul. Now she just wants to touch it. Jesus wants to touch her soul. City awakening. Jesus wants you to have a, a, a dine-in relationship. He doesn't want to just transform some of your life. He wants to transform all of your life. He wants to be a part of all of your life. 
She just wants to touch his clothes. Jesus wants to touch her soul. Verse 31, his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Once again, we're seeing the compassion of Jesus here. We're seeing that Jesus is moved with so much compassion that he not only heals her physically, but he also heals her emotionally and spiritually as well by calling her daughter. See, that term daughter in, in, in their language back then, that was a, a term of endearment, okay, that Jesus actually never uses that term daughter for anybody else in the entire Bible except for this woman here. So this, you know, this woman who had no name was now given a name, a term of endearment by Jesus. This woman who nobody accepted, Jesus accepted. This woman who nobody wanted, Jesus wanted. This woman who nobody touched, Jesus touched. This woman who nobody loved, Jesus loved. This woman who didn't have a name, Jesus gave her a name. He called her daughter. Jesus healed her, her wounded soul and welcomed her, her into his eternal family, an eternal relationship with him by calling her daughter. City Awakening, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. You may feel like that you're a nobody or you're an outcast in society or maybe you feel unloved or you feel un, untouched and cared for by other people. No, no, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He knows your name. And the good news of the gospel is that he calls us all sons and daughters, adopted children. It's in John chapter 1. He calls us children of God, those who put their faith and trust in him. This woman, Jesus, calls her daughter and gives her far more than what she ever asked for, which was physical healing. No, he's healing her emotionally, and he is healing her even spiritually, giving her an eternal relationship with him. This is the compassion of Jesus. Verse 35, okay, and now and I, we got to ask ourselves this, because here's what we're seeing happening, okay? We're seeing that Jesus has compassion for both the elite and the outcast, okay? The elite, Jairus, right? Outcast, her. He has compassion for anyone who desperately calls out to him. But where is Jairus, Right? I mean, think about it, right? What do we do? We, just, we, we went from, oh, here's Jairus asking for help. Jesus saying, okay, but now what, what's happening here? If you're Jairus, how are you feeling? It's interesting to me because if you notice, I mean, we, we, he calls this woman daughter, right? If you're Jairus, what are you thinking in that moment about your daughter? See, if it, me, if in that moment, here's, I'm saying, you're calling her daughter? Jesus, what about my daughter? Remember, my daughter's dying. My daughter is, this lady, she's been suffering for 12 years. She can wait a few more hours, right? My daughter can't wait. She's dying right now. I need you right now. My daughter needs you right now. What about my daughter? See, if we're in, a, in an emergency room situation right here, what is this? you got to triage this, right? 
Which is the more urgent situation? Which is the more imminent situation? Because if I'm him, I'm getting anxious now. I'm like, wait, think about it. He's like on the side, and Jesus is over here doing this, and he's having, who touched me? Who touched me? Having a conversation. Hey, let's, have a, let's talk about this, okay? We need to talk about you, your soul. Your, and he's over here sitting here, right? He's like, Jesus, what, what about my daughter, right? I'm getting anxious. I'm hoping Jesus does a better job at triaging here, okay? How many of us feel like that sometimes when we're struggling with something? You know, Jesus, you should do a better job triaging here because it seems like you're answering somebody else's prayers, but not mine. You know, I need you to triage here. Because if you're in an emergency room situation and you're triaging this, the little girl gets treated first because she's imminent. She's dying, not the lady who's been bleeding for 12 years. And so this would be considered medical malpractice if you treat her over the little girl who's imminent and dying. And so if I'm the father, I'm saying, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? Like, like the emergency is my daughter. Help her later. Help my daughter now. But Jesus ends up helping this woman, instead of the little girl. And listen to what happens in the delay. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? What we're seeing here is the delayed, the pains of the delayed timing of Jesus. And we already saw the compassion of Jesus, but now we're seeing the pains of the delayed timing of Jesus. Jairus' little girl dies in the delay. Jairus goes from being filled with so much hope from the compassion of Jesus to now feeling so much pain and sadness from the delayed timing of Jesus. Jesus says to the woman who's bleeding, he says, daughter, you're healed. But the people say to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Isn't this how life goes sometimes? Sometimes you pray for something and it feels like somebody else gets the blessing. Has that not happened to you? I mean, think about it. Jairus is wanting the blessing of Jesus healing. Somebody else gets the blessing. This happens sometimes. You pray and it feels like somebody else gets the blessing. Somebody else gets the wedding. Somebody else gets to have kids and you didn't. Somebody else gets the promotion. Somebody else gets the better career. Somebody else gets the raise, and you didn't. Somebody else gets the healing. Somebody else's loved one gets the healing. Somebody else's ministry grows faster than what you were praying for. Sometimes we pray for things, and it feels like somebody else gets the blessing, and you don't. And those moments are very hard, and those moments are very um, discouraging and disappointing, and our, and, our, and our faith really is stretched in those moments. And it can cause us to start to, to question the compassion of Jesus. When we wrestle with the delayed timing of Jesus, it can sometimes cause us to question the compassion of Jesus. It's really tough faith moments when that happens. It's tough on us just like it's tough on Yairus. But in those moments when our faith is being stretched in the delay, we have a choice to make just like Yairus has a choice to make. Notice what the crowd is telling Yairus to do. Hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. That's a, see, that's a choice in that moment. 
Jairus has a choice. He can either follow the crowd and walk away from Jesus, or he can choose to continue to have faith and continue trusting and walking with Jesus. He can either walk away from Jesus, or he can trust that Jesus has a plan, that Jesus knows what he is doing in the delay. He can either walk away from Jesus, or he can trust in Jesus' promise and continue to walk with Jesus and have faith in Jesus and what Jesus said he was going to do, even in the delay. We have a choice to make in that moment. And he decides to trust in Jesus. Verse 36, when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Only believe. Jairus, don't don't be afraid. Believe. Well, believe what? Believe that he is going to fulfill the promises that he said he's going to fulfill. He says, yeah, I, was like, I already agreed to come. I already agreed and promised that I'm going to heal your daughter. So trust me and my promises that I'm going to do what I promised I'm going to do, even in my delayed timing of that prom- promise. Trust me in that. Yaris has a choice to make. Is he going to trust Jesus or not? Verse 37, he did not let anyone, Jesus did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Notice the text says that Jesus says she's asleep. It isn't that she isn't dead. She is dead. It's just that Mark, and even Dr. Luke tells us in his gospel, Mark, Jesus is showing us that death to him, he's so powerful that death to him is like a nap. He's showing us that death to him, he is so powerful that death to him is like a, a short, like, like we're sleeping, like it's a short nap. It's like the um, movie Endgames, you know, where Thanos can just snap his fingers and people die. Well, in real life, Jesus only has has to whisper a few words and people live. This is what he does in verse 41. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Jesus takes the little girl by the hand, whispers a couple of words, and a little girl lives. He says Talitha, which means little girl, and scholars will tell you that it actually is more uh, tender than that. It means more like sweetheart or honey. And then he says kumi, which means get up. Jesus faces humanity's greatest enemy, which is death. And he's able to overpower that with a simple whisper. He whispers saying, sweetheart, honey, it's time to get up. It's like a loving parent. You know, saying to their child, not their teenager, because if it's their teenager, they got to shout because teenagers don't like to get woken up, right? Got to kind of shout. They get grumpy when you try to wake them up. My wife's not, she don't like me waking her up in the morning either. So at nighttime, I'm the grumpy one at night. 
a picture like a little, a, a little child, right? You know, okay. You know, sweetheart, honey, it's time to get up. That's what Jesus does with this little girl. Death is a short nap to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. We will all die one day. Jesus doesn't promise that affliction will not come to this little girl again, because it will. We will all die one day, but for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, he'll be right by our bedside, ready to say, Talitha kumi, sweetheart, honey, son, daughter, it's time to get up. Welcome into the beauties of my kingdom and the beauties of eternity. Amen? I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. And so we've learned about the compassion of, I'm almost ready to stop there, but we've got to learn some of the lessons of the delay here, okay? Because it's hard being in the middle of the delay. We've learned about the compassion. We've learned about the delayed timing of Jesus, but what lessons can we learn from the delayed timing of Jesus? What lessons can we learn from the text, from this story, and the delayed timing of Jesus in the story, because Jesus is always teaching us lessons in the delayed timing, even though we may not be able to see them. And so I'm simply, for the sake of time, going to draw out two lessons. Maybe your small groups, if you're not a part of a small group, you can join one. We, you know, we highly encourage that in your small groups this week. Maybe you could talk about what are some of the other lessons we learn in the delayed timing of Jesus. But for the sake of time, I'll give you two lessons that we learn from the delayed timing of Jesus as it relates to this text here. Number one, when Jesus delays, it isn't divine malpractice, it is divine foresight. Okay, when Jesus delays, it isn't divine malpractice, it is divine foresight. What happens whenever we, we're in a delay? Sometimes when we're facing a delay, or when Jesus isn't doing things the way we want to, when we want to, in the timing we want to, you know, we, 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 we will um, accuse Jesus of divine malpractice. But it's not divine practice, it is malpractice, it's divine foresight, because there are always facts that are going on that we aren't aware of that Jesus knows. Okay, there are facts that are happening that we just aren't aware of in the delayed timing in our limited mindset. So, for example, look at the story of Jairus. See, there were things that Jairus didn't know, but Jesus knew. Jairus did not know that, that to Jesus, death would just be like a simple whisper of two words, and, and it would be that easy for him to heal his little girl. Jairus also didn't know what Jesus was doing in the life of this bleeding woman, the woman who was bleeding, right? He may have seen on the outside, we would have seen on the outside, that he's just healing this woman physically. But Jesus wasn't just healing her physically, he was healing her emotionally and spiritually. Jesus was saving her soul in that moment which is why that moment was critical in that moment. Jairus couldn't see all of that. Jesus was saving her soul. He was welcoming her into an eternal relationship with him. But see, Jairus couldn't see all that while he was living in the delay, just like we can't always see all the facts when we're living in a delay. We think we know all the facts, don't we? We think we know better than Jesus when we're in a delay. Jesus, I know better than you. And I think you should be doing, it's not me submitting to you. You should submit to my will because I know the facts and I know what's better than you. But we don't. We're always missing some of the facts. And so what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, listen, if, if there's a delay in your life right now, if there's something that's happened in your life that you really can't make sense of right now, trust in my compassion and that I have more facts than you. 
Trust in my compassionate heart and that my compassionate heart is always working to do what's best for your heart. Trust me in the delay and my my divine foresight that you don't have. Number two, trust his promises even while living in the delay of his promises. Okay, trust in his promises even while you're living in the delay of his promises. Jairus trusts Jesus and Jesus fulfills his promise. This this bleeding woman trusts in Jesus and Jesus fulfills his promise to this bleeding woman. Heals her physically, emotionally, um, spiritually as well. It's because Jesus always fulfills his promises. Now, just to be clear, this does not mean that Jesus will always give you what what you're asking for. It doesn't mean that. Trusting in Jesus and having faith in Jesus sometimes means that we have to say, you know what, Jesus, I trust your way. I trust your will is better than my will. I trust your timing is better than my timing. And so I'm going to trust in you and your promises even as I'm waiting in the delay of those promises. That's faith. It's trusting in him even in the delay of those promises. Are you doing that? Are you doing that in the delay of your promises? Or the promises of Scripture, the promises even that Jesus is going to one day return to restore all things for our good and for his glory for those who put their faith and trust in him. He will not give you everything that you're hoping for. In fact, that should be good news to you because sometimes he's going to give you something better than what you're hoping for and asking for. See, we see that in the story, don't we? Do we not? See, this woman is coming to Jesus, and she's wanting a physical healing, right? But Jesus doesn't just give her physical healing. He gives her physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. See, when Jesus heals this woman physically, it allows her to no longer be an outcast in society, which heals her emotionally. But Jesus also, by calling her daughter and welcoming her into an eternal relationship with him, heals heals her spiritually as well. She gets way more than what she was asking for. Jesus makes her, who was considered to be unclean, now clean. Clean physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Jesus can make that which is unclean clean again again by the touch of his compassionate hand. He can make um, our sinful, unholy, unclean hands clean clean again by the touch of his compassionate holy hand. If you trust in his in his uh, death for us on a cross, that he died for our sins on the cross, then his compassionate hand will make our sinful, unholy hands, unholy souls clean again, and we will no longer be outcasts in heaven, but we will become eternal citizens of heaven. He can make that which is unholy, holy, and clean through the touch of his compassionate love and hand. But don't mistake all of this into thinking that he will give you everything that you want. No, he won't. Jesus never promises to give you everything, but he will give you everything he promises, okay? There's a difference. He does not promise to give you everything, but he will give you everything he promises in his word. So trust in him and trust in his compassion and trust in his promises even in the delay timing of those promises. This is the big idea of the message, okay? We can have the worship team come on up. The big idea is to trust in the compassionate heart of Jesus, even in the delayed timing of Jesus. See, this text today, it reveals that Jesus' timing isn't always our timing. But it also reveals 
that Jesus, his compassion still remains even in the delays. Now here's the good news for us today. The good news is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means the same Jesus that was available to Jairus and the bleeding woman back then is the same Jesus that's available to you and I today. The same Jesus who was approachable back then is the same Jesus who is approachable to us today. The same Jesus who was there and available for the cries of desperation of Jairus and this bleeding woman is still available for us today if we cry out to him in desperation. So City Awakening, take his hand today for your salvation. Okay, if you are not a believer in Christ, believe in him today. Believe in the good news of the gospel that he is an don't just believe that he was a compassionate person. No, he, was, he is God incarnate, fully human, fully divine, loved humanity so much that he was willing to enter into this world to live a perfect life that you and I have continually failed to live, undeserving of heaven because of our sin. We think we are deserving of heaven. No, we are not. No, we're not, because we're not perfect enough to enter into eternity and God's holiness, but Jesus was compassionate and loving enough to enter into this world, to live the perfect life you and I have not lived, and then to die the death we deserve to die for our sins on the cross. He literally stood in our place on the cross. So, so take his hand for salvation for your life today. Right now, where you're at, we're watching online. Say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. I want to I spend not just today with you. I want to spend all of eternity with you, and he will. And tell the person you came with or tell somebody else who is a Christian that you accepted that today. If you're a believer, take his hand for your moments of desperation. Take his hand in your moments of desperation and trust in him, trust in his compassion, trust that he knows what he is doing, even in the delays. And there's good reason for those delays, even if you can't think of one. City Awakening, trust, t- take his hand, trusting in the compassion that he has poured out for us on the cross, which promises that he will always love you and trust in the power of his resurrection, which is a promise that he will always wake you. He will always love you and he will always wake you. Even when you die and you breathe your last breath in this world, he will be right by your bedside saying, here, take my hand. sweetheart, honey. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. Jesus, in the storm that is in our hearts, in the desperation that is in our hearts, we cry out to you today. person in this room has a name. Every person watching online has a name. They all have a story. Me as well. You know those names. You know those stories. Jesus, would you calm our hearts of desperation? Whatever sin struggle we have, whatever life struggle we have, whatever we're going through, 
City Awakening, whatever you are going through in this moment, cry out to him and say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior and my Lord today. moment right here, right now, in your moment of desperation or struggle, whatever it is you're going through, give that to him right now. Say, Jesus, I need your help. As we stand and as we sing in the moment, trust in his compassion for your life even in the delayed timing of his return that this faith is good news that this life this Christian life is good news it's great news that Jesus is going to return he's going to come back again and he's going to restore all things where sin and death will be no more we will never feel the sting of death again oh Jesus we long for that day until then help us to trust in Talitha Trust in your words, trust in your love, trust in your compassion, even in the delay. It is in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and worship Jesus for his compassion.